Welcome to the Blue Collar Nation podcast, the podcast dedicated to making the lives of home service professionals better. Now join Eric and Larry to talk about all things home service. Well, hello, everybody. This is Larry from the Blue Collar Nation podcast. I'm here with my tech whispering business partner, Eric, the tech whisperer, and we are at the the Oland Planning Convention. Help me out here. Business planning retreat. We're here at the Violin Business Planning Retreat. See, we got Dallas here. Dallas, welcome to my world. (laughs) It's an amazing event. We're going to talk all about it. We're very excited. And we've got Dallas Neville, and he is from Rainbow Restoration, Rainbow International in Mesa, Arizona. And he has a great story about a business that he grew from just yourself. And you grew to a huge company right now. And we were asked to talk to you because you have a great story and people that are going to be listening are like, wow, this is really cool. And they're going to be impressed and they're going to see how you did it and talk about your business. It's going to be great because people will benefit from the content you have to offer. And uh, Eric, the tech whisperer, he's the, uh, tries to be the bigger man in the room. I don't know. You might have a little bit of competition this time because I let you lead. So you're going to let me lead. Okay. Dallas, he thinks he lets me leave. He makes you think that anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seems to work pretty well. But it's a pleasure having you today, Dallas. Eric, start with uh, talking to Dallas and make this thing happen here. Well, I I think, Dallas, to start out, how'd you end up getting in the restoration industry? What were you doing before that? 25 years ago, I started a carpet cleaning company Uh, and uh, cleaning a lot of rugs. We know. know. We've been there and done that, too. We make a lot of money. A lot of carpet that didn't make any money. And then I had a couple of repeat customers that had called me for water damage. Didn't know what I was doing, but I had an uncle that was in the trade. Yeah. So he walked me through it. I realized that through the restoration side of it, you can do way less work and make way more money than you can clean rugs. That so true. it was a it was a pivotal moment. It pivoted from carpet cleaning to yeah. restoration and I sold my carpet accounts. Okay. And did you go straight into Rainbow or did you start out as an independent and then go I was an independent for 17 years. Oh wow. I converted to Rainbow in 2016. Okay. And what, what led you to make that decision? I have a few friends that are large managers for, with all state different states. And the insurance industry has switched. The whole adjuster-driven, relationship-driven business is gone. So these insurance companies are pivoting to the large box brands yep. or TPAs. They're not doing anything in-house anymore because it limits that exposure of liability for them. Exactly. So seeing that, I wanted to be ahead of the curve behind it. So I kind of just parlayed my business into that. Yeah. franchise mold. I didn't I didn't start with Rainbow. I interviewed with three others first, but I picked Rainbow in the end. So did you go down to Waco and do the whole La- oh, La- Larry and I went there and checked it out and it was it wasn't at the time the right fit for us. But yeah, they have a cool operation down there. Yeah, it's done well and they they've done a lot expanding so they've got two headquarters. So it's it's definitely uh, advanced over the last eight years I've been a part of it. Yeah. Awesome. So how many uh how many guys, how many vans, how many uh, I think we got 22 trucks on the road. I've got 54 employees. Okay. That's uh, admins, estimators, yeah. recon personnel, mitigation specialists, contents team. We are full turnkey. So yeah. Finish one stop. And I saw you're you're doing remediation on there too, right? You did asbestos, crime scene, mold. We do it all. Wow, that's awesome. And you've got a bunch of different locations as well. You you got rainbow areas that you're yeah. I've got five different territories cover about six million people. And that's just, I have one giant office that I own, 23,000 square foot building in Mesa. And then we just got a second 12,000 square foot building for overflow of contents. 
So business is going well. Yeah, that's good. That's great. So it, l- let's talk culture. And it, before we, we hit record, you were saying that, you know, one of the keys to your success is that you build people from within and then promote from within. So can, can you, like, because a lot of people are always like, I just, I don't know where to find a project manager. And, and usually the answer is you have to build a project manager. Correct. A lot of times. Because not everybody's systems are the same. Everybody does it differently. I'm, I'm kind of a, my own niche. I, I do things kind of my way, but I've been successful with it for almost 25 years. But we believe in promoting from within. So I will invest the time and money in capable employees that want to stay with us for the long haul, that want to make good money, that uh, want to have that management freedom of being able to run crews instead of being the one that's tearing out drywall and stuff like that. I, I allow them the opportunity to grow from within and I'll pay for all the training. Like I'll send them out and I'm training. I've sent many people to uh, the Owens program to get a better <laughs> money and metrics and the things that it takes to run a successful business. So they understand when I'm frustrated or upset is not because I just want to be a jerk. It's just because things aren't going the way they should go. Right. Yeah. So walk me through. So I start, I started your company. I'm a young kid, right? I'm a technician. I'm going to be ripping out drywall and all that stuff. And what would my road to like moving up look like within so, like, let's just say I'm a hard worker and I'm a halfway. So, you want to be a knuckle dragger to start out? You're going to be one of these guys. That we well, I've, there. I've been the knuckle dragger. I know. <laughs> uh, so, you start out. You t- typically you start out as a laborer. Yeah. You'll be on a collector crew. You'll have a lead that you work under. <clears throat> you have assigned, you know, call out schedule. You have, all that stuff's already done for you. You're assigned to that crew, so you can plan your vacations, plan your weekends. But essentially, you start out and you want to do that, and you want to get your certs. And I'll invest in you to get your certs. I do make them sign a contract because I don't want somebody to get certified through me and leave. leave me tomorrow for somebody else. Right. So we'll pay to get all your WRT, ASD, AMRT. I'll get you all your certs. Yeah. And as you start progressing that, we'll start integrating you to an assistant lead where you can actually go and speak to homeowners that you're going to be calling and claims to the carriers and the TPAs yeah. to get approvals for whatever work that needs to be done. We want to make sure that you're coached well enough to communicate. Not over communicate, sometimes less important the carrier. Absolutely. We've got to be able to articulate a, a correct sentence for these people to understand what you're going to be talking So we'll start that. Then from lead, you can go to a supervisor, but you'll be you'll be in charge of three leads. And then from there, you go to project management where you're in charge of a whole division. And then from there, whatever the need is, we'll put you there. But I've got many project managers north of six figures right now in income. So yeah. money's not the issue, it's finding qualified people. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that also, I'm assuming, fit into your culture. We treat everybody like family. Like uh, we do family uh, outings. That's family with work. Like we plan barbecues. We do um, retreats. We'll go and do fun things. You know, it's kind of hard to take everybody at one time because we are twenty four hours a day. Totally. But we'll break it apart into two sessions. Where we'll do yeah. half and then half. We do that just so they understand. And we got a lot of uh, a lot of our employees are single, no kids, whatever. Uh, either office staff or even field people. They're accept- They're ready. They're welcome to come to Thanksgiving at my home. They're welcome to come to Christmas. We make this a big deal, right? Because at the end of the day, they are like family, and you got to be able to get along. And I feel like the better your culture is, the less you have as a business. Yeah, I mean, we see that coaching. You know, you go around the country and you you visit all these places. Like I always say that when I go do an onsite, I can tell like it's in the air, like thirty seconds in the door. I can tell if the culture's good or not. Like you can just feel like I don't even know how to explain it. You feel it. You know, like it's an energy. And now a quick message from our title sponsor, Supertech University. Did you know 85% of financial success comes from soft skills abilities and only 15% from our technical abilities? Supertech U was created by longtime restoration pros Eric Sprague and Larry Wilberton. 
Their daily three to five minute videos train your entire company on the soft skills they need to make your business thrive. Plus, your entire team earns IICRC CEC credits, all for about the cost of one tank of gas. To get more information about Supertech University and receive a special six-lesson e-course on in-home sales, go to supertechu.com backslash podcast offer. Again, get your free in-home sales training at supertechu.com backslash podcast offer. I'm very good at reading and writing when I go in there. I come in rooms like this with all these people and get an idea of what's going on pretty fast. That's the same thing at our place. We want people to come in and understand that this is this is all we have. I have every one of my eggs in this basket. You know, I've got $5 million of personal money tied into this that to keep this going, to operate at this level, we have a huge monthly nut to crack to be able to cover the payroll, cover everything else like that. So we have to stay busy. We don't have a choice. Yeah. But that comes with, you know, the culture. It comes with a positive attitude. You can walk in our building and everybody that's came in says it's the most warm, welcoming place we've ever been where our lobby and everything that we set up is that direction yeah. to be able to have that. Yeah, that's awesome. So, what, what, I mean, you've been around the industry a long time. What, what do you think the some of the biggest mistakes owners make? Trying to grow too fast. Instead of doing a lot of the in-house work themselves, they want to farm it all out. They want to they want to be the owner behind the desk, not the owner in the van. Right. I spent my first 10 years building this brand uh, in a van because I figured the more work I did myself and less payroll I've had to pay for that work. So I was just trying to do it for just build up a reserve. Yeah. So I did that for 10 years. I averaged 100 hours a week for 10 years. Never took a vacation. I had four kids and a wife. Um, that became a challenge. And so then I had to learn to relinquish and give control up. That's the biggest thing. The biggest thing I see in struggling franchises is I'm a franchise coach for Rainbow. Um, any new franchises have to come through our location or struggling franchises they'll say work with. But the biggest struggle is an owner that don't doesn't want to lay his cards on the table, doesn't want to allow help and handcuffs. Well then the bottleneck for everything. And people nobody wants to stick around when they the owner like wants to jump in with every little thing. And they're like, well, there's nowhere for me to go with that. There's no, there's no growth property. There's many times that I've gone into and used subcontractors or I've been, or, you know, I've, I've owned something where I've been frustrated on it. They say, oh, the owner's out of town. We can't write a check. I'm like, so you're one key over there. There's one. What happens if he dies tomorrow? Right. What, you, you, what, what's this? What's the succession plan? What is the plan for an emergency? Right. And so at the end of the day, you've got to be willing to train the people and integrate culture into your into your your staff yeah you have to so what are, what are some of the trainings that you do aside from just like iicrc stuff and and obviously like violin but like are, you know are, are you having guys read certain books are you having them listen to certain podcasts like what, what's the growth my mindset my there required to read six books a year okay. um there would be a different topic, most of them like Navy SEALs, leadership books, stuff like that, you know? Yeah, like Jocko stuff. Yeah, just stuff that's like, you know, a high level management, right? Because there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And you can't do it with an iron fist. You can't put your thumb on people. You've got to empower and trust, but trust has to be earned. It's not just given. We're dealing with people's livelihood at this point. You know, we're dealing with catastrophe. So the empathy that you have to have, you know, you can get that from reading a lot of books. I tell, I tell a lot of my staff, turn off the TV and open a book. You'd be surprised at what you'll learn. You know, and, and just get away from the negative culture of the society these days. Just try to bring a positive attitude. 
Yeah. It's funny how that influences people and you don't realize they're like, oh, that's a great idea. And nobody presented that to them before and they never thought of that. And you're like, oh, well, of course. Why wouldn't you turn off the TV? There's great books everywhere. And if you but make I send a lot of people to trainings like this, and I, I'm not a firm believer that I got everything from the Beyond trade. I got everything from the people I rubbed elbows with in the room. Other people that are in the same trade, same struggle. What's going on in Minnesota is still affecting Arizona, right? We have the same same adjusters that don't want to pay bills. We have the same insurance companies that want to deny everything. And yet it's just a different state, different laws. So yeah. they all go the same thing. So I, I learned a lot just from sitting with fellow brands, uh, fellow competition. I love competition. Most of my competitors don't want anything to do with, you know, talking. They won't even sit and eat a meal with their competitor where I, I'm yeah. all about it. I would like right. to sit and know what Service Master or Serve Pro or some of the other big box brands struggle with. But I guarantee we all have the same pain points. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Larry and I are going to events like this all year and we all have the same stuff. Like it's all the same. Like, and to be honest, like you said, because we've been having coaching forever, <clears throat> we learn as much in, at the bar that night, just hanging out with everybody, as often that we do in classes. A hundred percent. That's that. That's the meeting after the meeting. That we always talk. Yeah. That that's that's priceless to be able to go and just rub elbows. I mean, I feel like I've learned more doing that than I have from any coaches. Yeah. No, it's true. And you know, it's so funny because. We all have the same problems, but like you said, every business is, but we all deal with them a little bit differently. And a lot of times we can come away with nuggets going like, I never even thought of dealing with it that way. Oh, I've changed my whole warehouse, my whole office based on a couple other competitors locations that I went into. I was just amazed on how they were able to structure their contents division so we could look and change it. You know, it cost me a hundred thousand dollars to rechange everything, but it was more efficient, it was faster, it was more accurate. So for me, it was just like, I never even thought of it that way. Well, and you're going to make that money back anyway, 100%. just on efficiency. I'm not worried about spending it. I'm very good at spending money. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you become too good at spending it. Yeah. Well, it uh, depends on what you spend it on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you can ask my staff on that one. They, they, they see me knocking over the new truck. They're like, geez, there he goes again. So. <laughs> it's like, okay, we got to get another loss. <laughs> yeah, a whole bunch of them. Cool. So when you go back to your office, and we used to see that in us and others, you have all these ideas after you go to this conference, like, and they're like, oh, no, here he comes. He's got all ideas. It's going to change a bunch, oh. of, bunch of things on us. You ever have to deal with that? And there, A couple of times you get people that are like, oh, here he comes again. But at the end of the day, I don't try to make big, big, big yeah. massive changes fast. Um, they never they never pan out for me. So I try to do yeah. slow, methodical changes that they can get behind and get on board with. Because when you try to make big, massive changes, you're going to get some pushback. But if you slowly integrate it, it seems to go really well. And they don't even realize you made changes because they're too fixated on the day-to-day. They don't even see the behind the scenes. What we started doing, because we used to do that, we'd come back and be like, we're going to change everything because we just learned all this stuff. Like, we're excited, right? Yeah. And then, you know, we'd all of a sudden see everybody giving us pushback because they don't like change. But, like, I mean, we have to change. So what we started doing was we'd stay an extra day and just lock ourselves in a hotel room and, like, go through everything we learned and try to come with, like, two or three things that would help our business the most. And then we would take it to the team and be like, these three things could use some work. What do you guys think, right? Because we always found it was easier to get by in if we included that. Correct. Yeah. I do that. I do that even on my flights back because yeah, I, I usually come myself. My son is taking most of the day to day. He's still twenty three. Oh so yeah, that's young. He's, uh, he's not the the most hip to the number side of it of making sure you keep money in the bank. Right, he's twenty three. He has big eyes and he likes to buy nice things. So at the end of the day, it's yeah. like I got to ring going back in. But I try to do the same thing. I stay on the flight. I don't sleep. Got five, an hour flight back home. 
I'll just crunch notes. I'll do the same thing. I'll sit back and I'll do a management meeting, bring in lunch, shut the door. I'll yeah. say, these are some of the things I've learned. What are your guys' thoughts? Same thing. When yeah. you let them have some skin in the game, it's a way easier process. It's the way it seems. Totally. Yeah, because then also, like, if it's not going well, it's like, well, we all chose this. Yes. <laughs> you know? yes. The fall guy, not me. I didn't yeah. shove that down your all throat. agreements <laughs> to this at one point or another, just so you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let's all own this, and that's how right. it goes. Well, look, we, we don't want to take your whole time, and we thank you for coming on, but w- what's the next step? So, you know, wh- where are we going next? So, as I was speaking, um, and yesterday, my succession plan, my son, my son's been with me, he was off and on as a kid through summertime breaks, stuff like that. And then in high school, when he played football, obviously didn't work with him. The moment he graduated high school, I gave him one month off. He got June off. He said, you want to go to college. I said, what are your plans? Because I want your job. And I said, well, you can have it. You don't even have to ask. I'm going to you and I'll walk. But he, uh, I've been grooming him. Like okay. he, uh, I've never seen a 23-year-old kid function at his level. With that many employees, he literally runs all day to day. Really, he runs twenty three jobs. He handles uh, receivables like he is. A, he is in tune with every aspect of it. All. You look at him, you think I think he's still a dumb kid, right? I feel like, but then I look at some of the things that he does, and says, and the the jobs that he's doing. I mean, he's doing million dollar project right now. Yeah. So he has the respect of the industry at twenty three, which is very hard because as a as a boy, ah, man, yeah. I get 23 year old kid telling me what to do. I'm going to look at him and like, I got shoes over. Don't yeah. talk. Yeah. yeah. But he has done really well with it. He embraces it. And this is, he lives in breeze. Right? Well, I was going to ask, is he doing the 80, 100 hour weeks like you were? He is. But I cut that back out. So we have a, we have a standing bill now that after 5 p.m., if it's not a direct emergency, we don't have communication with workers. And then they need to detach and yeah. And that's the problem in restoration. You know, everybody, owners, techs, we all burn each other out. And it happens with my office staff. I'll tell my office, my, my uh, operations manager, she's been with me for four years now. I stole her from a TPA. She's phenomenal. You'll never find a better one. But I'll log into the security camera at 7 30 at night. She's still at the office. She's at six in the morning. And I'll just text, go home. Yeah. Yeah. Because her production would be so much better if she leaves. But then that's something that somebody has to understand and click on themselves. And then they'll be more effective with their time during the day. And that makes a big difference. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I- Larry and I have a, a mutual friend. He's like a software guy, got a big, big software company. And he started tracking everybody's production. And he found in their industry, because it's all like knowledge work, 35 hours was the sweet spot. If they go to 40, five hours wasted. Like he was like, I just recognized by looking at all the production, 35 hours is when in this industry, people are done. And like, okay, in our industry, it might not be 35 hours. It might be 50. 85, we'll go to 85. Okay, 85. But if we go to 90. (laughs) But if we go to 90. Well, yeah, but I mean, look, I mean, we're not sitting at computers like trying to think up new things all day. So we can go more. But it's not 90 a week, right? We we, And we learned that the hard way. We were doing that forever. And, you know, it's like from our... 10 to 15 are you really getting a lot done no so we found our sweet spots uh, anything under 10 hours like these yeah. guys and i've done the same thing i've been on jobs i've evaluated them i've sat down the screen and watched and anything past 10 hours the production drops by 70 percent. yeah because they're dragging ass well they're just tired they're tired yeah. of carrying drywall they're tired of carrying equipment it's 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 a tough job it's not an easy job so at the end of the day it's like i try to either split the crews or i'll try to bring in fresh help or at the end of the day it's like what 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 if I don't finish this today? What's it going to change overnight? Nothing. So going back the next day does not kill me. 
to keep working, but I would rather be more effective and less effective. And again, we know the insurance companies, they don't pay overtime. Uh, right. So we try to limit that because yeah. that's the case. They will not pay. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that, let, let's end on this then. Like, so it is attracting talent been an issue? We have, we've done pretty well recently. It was for a while through the whole COVID stage. All yeah. that stuff was very difficult as with everybody else. Nobody wanted to do anything. Everybody was worried about our family. Everybody wanted to get their free two weeks off that I had to pay them. Right. Yeah, right. So, oh, I have COVID, I hit from work. Oh, well, once that ended, the younger generation kept trying to use that. But we've done pretty good with that in the sense of we're a very good judge of character, but we still have those problems. If we hire 10, five will make it. Yeah. We average about five, about 50%, just because you get some people to come in. And to us, the, our, our biggest pet peeve is be on time. That's the one thing we like to control is show up on time. So we have a rule. If you're late, you lose two days worth of work. So the only way I can hurt you is if you're popular. Right. So if you're late by four minutes, you lose essentially 16 hours. Go explain that to your wife and family when you have a short check. Yeah. Because you chose not to come on time. So, yes, we, we do really well with that because we trade them with our HR department, our, our, our manuals that they do. We give everybody the videos they have to watch. It holds everybody accountable. Yeah. So there, there's some skin in the games that they, they're invested. Yeah. All right. So more territories? Keep going? I own about as all I can own right now, unless another rainbow decides he wants out. Okay. And I can potentially buy his, but I'm about the threshold. I don't know that there's any other rainbow in the United States bigger than I am, and in, in population wise. Right. Um, I, I feel like we're at a good sweet spot because I feel like anymore it could be unmanageable. Okay. And I'd rather just stay. You know, I'd rather stay where I'm at, profitable, than try to become some big bomber. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, it's not a good business plan to do twenty million a year, but it costs you twenty one million to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that never works. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's just about staying manageable, right? Because I still want to provide customer service. And so we're we're in a customer service based industry, and when you get too big, customer service goes out the window. And yeah, the one thing you can never fix is the bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know it's funny that you say that because that's a very carpet cleaner mentality. Like we see that, you know, and I mean, not this is a stereotype, but it seems like the guys who come from starting at carpet opposed to construction, those companies are much more service driven. 100%. At the end of the day, what are you there for? Yeah. Right. And and to us, we go into water losses every day. It's not a big deal. But to Mrs. Jones, her whole life just got flipped upside down. She's miserable. She's a mess. She's sad. And you just got to bring back the empathy and you just got to do quality service because you can look online and see. All the horror stories when people have to file another claim they don't want the same experience they had on the first one so we're already going into the law because another vendor did a lousy job the first time it's trying to clean up the industry because there's a lot of people that shouldn't be doing this oh dude it, it hurts it hurts the entire brand it hurts all all brands i don't care who you're with yeah when mrs jones have a second loss if you did lousy in the first one she's gonna be gun shy at best and you're gonna get crucified for it because you're just a restoration contractor you didn't do the first one but she's expecting you to do the same on the second right absolutely all right any follow-ups larry nope it's wonderful hanging out with you dallas appreciate yeah, it thank you pleasure. really appreciate that yep appreciate awesome. your time thank you Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Nation podcast. For more information about Eric and Larry and Supertech University, please visit us at supertechu.com. That is supertechu, the letter U, dot com.